0: Welcome to Midsummer and Autumn Methodist Church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And so I want to reflect on that passage uh, this morning for our thoughts. Um, Jesus says to uh, Thomas in the New International Version, it says, Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Thomas, it seems to me, has a particularly bad reputation for doubting. We still hear some people being called Doubting Thomases if they doubt something. We don't, for example, in comparison, hear people being called a right old Thaddeus, or a peculiar Bartholomew, or a quiet James, son of Zebedee. For some reason, Thomas has been uh, painted with this word Doubting Thomas. It's true that a name often sticks, doesn't it? And for some reason, doubting Thomas has stuck to him. Maybe we've all had that particular experience in our lives where Um, A name sticks. I'm reminded of my school days uh, where I had to correct lots of people's uh, spelling uh, because um, they would say to me in the playground when I was a very young child, they would uh, be sort of taunting me by saying, oh, you only make jam then. And I just got fed up of saying to me, actually, it's Robertson's jam, not Robinson's uh, jam. Uh, So uh, sometimes a name sticks in that way. Well, for Thomas, sadly for him, the word doubting Thomas has stuck uh, with him. But as we explore the text further, we see a very different picture of Thomas. Last Sunday, we looked at verses 19 to 23. And I took you through uh, the pattern that is there. There are the locked doors in verse 26. In verse 26 also, Jesus stands amongst them and says, Peace be with you. Verse 27, he gives them the evidence of his suffering and crucifixion. And verse 28, uh, there is um, the response of joy. This time it's Thomas. Last time it was uh, the disciples who were overjoyed. It's the same pattern that we have um, at work uh, here uh, in verses 24 to 28 as we had in verses 19 to 23. Last week I asked uh, the question, um, when was the last time you experienced being overjoyed and what did that look like? To which one member texted me saying that her experience of being overjoyed was, as she described it, when it took her breath away. Which seems a good definition of being overjoyed. Or another member who emailed me and talked about um, she was overjoyed at the birth of her grandchild. That sense, not just feeling happy, it's a sense of being overjoyed. That wonderful experience that hopefully we have all experienced from time to time. So here we are with um, Thomas. And... We have these words, as I say, repeats the pattern of last week: the locked doors, Jesus standing amongst them, saying peace, the evidence of his suffering, crucifixion, and the response of um, joy. <clears throat> so, why does Thomas get such, uh, well, not a negative press, but he's tarred with this doubting? I wonder what it might look like uh, for Thomas in the exchanges he had with. Um, We're the same people, but in a modern way. Let's look at this that's on the screen, which might help us um, understand uh, this. I'm just conscious that if that ran too quickly for you, so you didn't read it uh, all, uh, of course, uh, once our live feed has finished, you can see this again on the YouTube channel, so you can perhaps uh, watch that at... uh, Uh, the pace that you need to for that. And for those of you who are only receiving this on the audio CD, that was a series of uh, emails uh, that uh, talked about the way in which the various disciples and the women tried to get in touch with Thomas uh, to connect with him, to tell him the truth that Jesus had risen. And the very final slide of that spoke of the way in which Thomas did believe in that uh, last uh, email but you notice that in all of that it was talking about thomas's lack of belief that jesus had risen and if we want to give even more credit to thomas we need to look to the original translation of verse 28 where the word doubter doesn't actually appear as it does in many english translations the word in the greek there is epistos which means unbelieving. So the better translation is stop unbelieving and believe. So the issue for Thomas is the issue of belief, not doubt. Which is why both Jesus in verse 29 and John in verses 30 and 31 talk about the issue of belief, not about doubting. But let me just say a brief word about doubt, because this is not to say that Christians don't have doubts or shouldn't have doubts. It's not saying it's wrong to have doubts about God. I, like many church leaders and preachers, sometimes hear that little voice in my head which says occasionally, are you really a Christian? Putting that doubt into my head. Interestingly, it often happens just before um, we preachers are going to preach. So we know that that is often um, the devil trying to put us off what we're about to proclaim in God's word. You remember way back in Genesis when um, the snake is talking, uh, the, the devil is talking to Adam and Eve and he said, did God really say? And he's just putting that element of doubt into our minds doubt is uh something which we shouldn't just accept on face value the things of the christian faith or indeed any faith it's it's right that we question but i think when it's wrong is that when all that happens is we're just talking about doubts to hear some christians talk there is only doubt there's very little faith Very little belief. Such people are just living in verses 24 and 25 where Thomas is asking for this proof. They don't go on and read verse 28. And perhaps that's true for people who talk about doubting Thomas. They're only looking at verses 24 and 25, they're not reading on to verse 28. So how can we overcome doubt and unbelief? Well, I want to suggest the same way in which Thomas uh, overcomes his unbelief in verses 26 to 28. The first thing that I would say is that Thomas here has a personal encounter with Jesus, who died and who is risen, and who says to Thomas in verse 26, Peace be with you. And as we learned last week, that isn't just a hello, nice to see you. That is conferring on to Thomas all the blessings of God's kingdom to me. It's that shalom uh, peace, which is more than just saying the, the English word peace. This is the first time that Thomas has seen Jesus post-resurrection, according to John. But this personal encounter between Thomas and Jesus changes everything for Thomas. Belief in God is based on a personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. Nothing can substitute that. Systems, programmes, theories, ologies, debates will not essentially bring about belief on their own. Only a personal encounter with Jesus will do that. So what does a personal encounter with Jesus look like? Well, unlike Thomas, we cannot see Jesus face to face. Though some have shared the experience of visions of Jesus over the years where they would say that might well have happened. And this is where some people give up. Because they say basically, well, you prove to me that Jesus is alive by having him being here and I will believe. And of course, we can't actually physically do that. So they give up in terms of faith. What Jesus says to those people is verse 29 Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In other words, we don't need to see the physical evidence to believe. In fact, in some ways, we are more blessed if we don't see the physical evidence that's what jesus is saying in verse 29 john adds to that in verse 31 he says but these i e gospel are written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name john virtually says If you people who can't see Jesus face to face want evidence, then read my gospel so that you will believe. That's why I've written it. That's why sometimes, for example, this John is referred to as St John the Evangelist. I remember um, a number of years ago when I first engaged with the uh, Alpha course. Um, That's a Christian course which has led many people to Christian faith over the years. Uh, And in that course, as part of the material, Nicky Gumbel, who has headed up that course for a number of years, writes about how he came to faith. He writes this, I was at times an atheist and at times an agnostic, unsure of what I believed. I had been baptised and confirmed, but it didn't mean much to me. At school I had been to chapel regularly and studied the Bible in RE lessons, but I had ended up rejecting it all and, indeed, arguing powerfully, or so I thought, against Christianity. One night, I thought I would embark upon a thorough research of the subject. I made a plan to read the Koran, Karl Marx, Jean-Paul Sartre, the existential philosopher, and the Bible. I happened to have a rather dusty copy of the Bible on my shelves, so that night I picked it up and started reading. I read all the way through Matthew, Mark and Luke, and halfway through John's Gospel then I fell asleep. When I woke up, I finished John's Gospel and carried on through Acts, Romans and 1 or 2 Corinthians. I was completely gripped by what I read. I had read it before and it had meant virtually nothing to me. This time it came alive and I could not put it down. It had a ring of truth about it. I knew as I read it That I had to respond because it spoke so powerfully to me. Very shortly afterwards I came to put my faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this morning as you watch this live worship, have you had that personal encounter with Jesus? If you haven't, then I want to suggest to you this morning that you might like to pick up that dusty Bible that's in your house. Or if you haven't got one, there's plenty of versions online. Pick it up for a start and maybe turn to John's Gospel to see the evidence that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. If you have had that personal encounter with Jesus and that continues, I want to suggest to you this morning that maybe you turn back to John's gospel and reread the evidence. And not only reread it, but live the evidence that John has given to us. So, the first way that Thomas overcomes that unbelief is by that personal encounter with Jesus. And the second way in which Thomas overcomes that unbelief <clears throat> is by responding to the recognition of who Jesus truly is. Verse 28 Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Thomas doesn't res- respond to Jesus by saying, Well, yep, yeah, that's pretty impressive. You've risen from the dead. So what? Or he doesn't say to him, well, yeah, you're a pretty good teacher. I like some of the stuff that you've uh, spoken. He says, my Lord and my God. He, first of all, in that just five words, acknowledges the full lordship of Jesus as God. Lord and God. Everything is summed up in those two words as we're reflecting on the nature of God. Thomas acknowledges the full lordship of Jesus as God. But secondly, notice he makes it personal. My Lord and my God. He doesn't say, well, you're a sort of Lord, you're a sort of God and he doesn't talk him in the third person. He says, my Lord and my God. And I want to invite you this morning to reflect on are you able to say, in response to a personal encounter to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And if it is that you haven't, perhaps this morning, as you reread this passage or reread parts of John's Gospel, my prayer is that you would come to be able to say, My Lord and my God. And when we do that, our doubts are put into a very different perspective because at the forefront of our Christian journey is our declaration of faith and belief in Jesus. As God's Son. Or if you want to put it in the words of that psalm we had earlier on, where David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. In him will I trust. And so I want to encourage you this morning in reflection of this passage to just reflect on your own personal journey. Let's give Thomas the credit for being a believer, my Lord and my God. And may that be an expression, an experience for all of us as we come to journey with him in faith. And if this morning that has meant something particular to you, by all means get in touch with me and I'd love to share with you more on that particular personal encounter and that personal testimony, my Lord and my God.